Welcome to the Conduit Deeper podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, Executive Pastor at Conduit Church, joined by our lead pastor, Darren Tyler. And in this bonus episode, we have special guest Mark Bourgeois, one of our elders here at Conduit. Welcome, Mark. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's a bit of a... uh, It's one of those topics that we haven't really talked about yet. It's in our spiritual gifts series. Uh-huh. And we've we've uh, not avoided it on purpose. We just haven't had the, the, the proper timing. We've saved the best for last, Mo. Yeah. So what is that topic? What are we jumping into yeah, today? Yeah, well, look, this, this is the thing. You didn't think we were going to go through an entire uh, series in 1 Corinthians 12 and not talk about tongues, right? Until today. Until today. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was because I was in Haiti last week. Uh, because obviously there's a lot of tongue talking going on there. Uh, and candidly, I'll, maybe I'll put it this way. Um, I was in Haiti last week and it was a very dangerous, uh, time to be there. It was very uncertain. Um, so I, uh, I found myself leaning heavily upon, uh, the Holy spirit, uh, laying in bed, wide awake, uh, engaging some, uh, praying in, 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 in prayer language and thinking, um, I was so thankful for that, uh, last week because it was. You know, there was kidnappings happening. There's a prison break going on. I'm thinking, this is why Paul said this was so doggone important. <laughs> he says, edify yourself. I needed some edifying. And uh, Paul didn't say, wait for someone to come edify you. He said, uh, this is uh, edifies yourself. And so anyway, that's uh, what we're going to talk about. And I, I do feel like I should start with this. Because uh, when you start talking like this, they're, uh, in a church as diverse as ours, and I love that our church is diverse. I really do. Um. We got Bapticostals, we got straight up charismatics, um, we got some cessationists sticking around. Um, but for the most part, when people get, uh, we- like when they hear this topic in general, they get weirded out, uh, understandably, right? But they also, uh, th- those that were like from the cessationist camp would say that, well, the, uh, this isn't for today. They would, uh, for the most part, would quote 1 Corinthians 13, 10, which says that tongues will cease, that um, prophecies will cease, and uh, and that's really convenient. Um, but one of the greatest ironies to me is that most people that quote that would be people that are, uh, that hold to the word of God, uh, that hold strong to the word of God. And, uh, but they leave the rest of the sentence out. Like this isn't like Paul. So they're taking it and saying this part of it we like, but we don't like this next part. But here's what they would say in verse nine, for we know in part, we prophesy in part, uh, verse 10, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. Now, I know that there are those, maybe, maybe these are the King James only people that would say that completeness was the King James Bible. <laughs> or, or is it just 1611. 1611, right. Or is it just the canonization of scripture in general? Mm, they'll, they'll die on the hill of the 1611. The point, whether you're the canonization or 1611, completeness comes is what they would say that was complete. So now we don't need this anymore. Um, when I was a child, verse 11, I talked like a child, thought like a child. Uh, when I became a man, I put away the ways of childhood behind me. But here's the, this is the part where I don't know how you could make this about the King James Bible or in, in, the Bible in general. Verse 12, for we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then, okay, when completeness comes, we will see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall fully know, even as I am fully known. And that's uh, a clear picture of eternity, of stepping into eternity with Jesus. And, and at that point, we won't need tongues. We won't need prophecies because we'll be with uh, him. And so... If it's in the Bible, then we, we have to have to say, what does it mean? Like, what do we do with it? Do, you know, do we ignore it? Do we sweep it under the carpet? Uh, and I don't know that that's a wise thing to do, especially when the largest growing church in the world continues to be the Pentecostal church. When you go to Africa, China, India, uh, all over the world, the Pentecostals are growing. Spirit-led churches are uh, growing continually. So I feel like we have to we get to talk about it. And we've invited Mark because Mark... Uh, I think, uh, as I thought through, okay, who would be the right voice to really speak t- to this with us? Because a lot of people think hick, uh, tongues, they think hicks, they think rednecks, they think poor people in Africa, they think whatever. Um, uh, but Marcus, not that. Marcus had a, a, a really successful run with some, some business adventures. The second thing I like about what Mark uh, is that he comes to this from a very uh, honest place because he grew up in, a, am I right, Marcus, a cessationist background? Very much like, so, right? Yep. 
So could the spirit move like with prior written permission of the elder board or just not at all? <laughs> yeah, well, um, and I'm very thankful for my heritage. Um, yeah, me too. It, yeah, but but uh, the church I grew up in was a very restrictive, very legalistic um, group. And I think the biggest challenge historically I saw with the Holy Spirit was you couldn't control it. And, you know, when you're in a church setting and you have somebody that wants to control everything very tightly to make sure it's all manufactured and manuscripted according to what they wanted, um, that was hard to do when you came to tongues or you came to praying for healing or anything else. But, yeah, my, my background was uh, in an independent Baptist church is where I came to Christ when I was a sophomore in high school. Which was where yeah. Moat was at as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ind- independent, fundamental, Baptist, KJV, 1611 only. On the sign. <laughs> that went on the sign? <laughs> on the sign. On the sign. There you go. <laughs> you knew what you were walking Did, into. 1611 right. on the sign. Yes, so so you actually came to Christ as a sophomore, as mm-hmm. we said? That's right. Was it in that in that church, or was it just in there you ended up at that church? No, it was in that church. Uh-huh. Um, I... Uh, my parents, we'd grown up and gone to church a good bit when I was younger, but um, I played basketball in high school and had gotten to be pretty decent in it and was uh, running in a crowd my, my parents thought were a little questionable. I'll leave it at that. And they said, okay, we want you to go to a Christian school. And um, the Christian school that I ended up going to was part of that independent Baptist church. Interesting. So, yeah. mm-hmm. so you come from that, and then you ended up, one of the funniest things to me actually is that uh, Mark, uh, as an elder, is actually the only guy on our elder board that has gone to Bible college, right? Completed it, right? Like, <laughs> right, yep. Was it like a, a independent fundamentalist Baptist Bible college? It was, yeah. yes. Um, so after I came to Christ, you know, in that setting, um, if you're a performance-oriented person, if you're a person that likes rules and likes sort oh, of, oh, well, this is what I have to do to get better at it, to right? achieve, if I do this, if this I happens. If I achieve, right. Then um, that was, frankly, an environment that I thrived in. I loved. And so, you know, if it was about how many scriptures you memorized or people you witnessed to or leading people oh, to man. Christ, and all those things are good things. None of uh-huh. them in and of themselves. Yeah. It's not bad. Um, but in that environment, I became a very performance-oriented Christian and lived, frankly, primarily off of the praise you would receive especially from others in the church, notably the leadership. Wow, you did what? Oh, wow, you led this person to Christ, or you preached at this mission, or you, you know, whatever you did. Right. Um, And so in that performance-oriented dynamic, that very much builds an environment where you are what your performance can achieve. See, that's interesting, because that... um... I've said this before, but it's true because I'm I'm actually super grateful for my heritage. Um, but I've I've noticed uh, first of all I'm surrounded by folks that have come out of the independent fundamentalist Baptist church world. Which in my music business days, I never met anyone in that. I didn't even know it existed. If I'm being honest. Oh wow. Um, but they weren't like they were praying. Well, I don't think they were praying for it. They thought guys like me were going to hell because we were <laughs> rock and roll, Christian rock and roll. So oh, for sure. they weren't booking like, you know, Cutlass was not going to the IFB uh, youth conference, whatever. No. But, but, but what I've, I, what I'm interested in when I think back on this is that the world I came from, which would be the Kenneth Hagan, Kenneth Copeland and Craig, if you're listening, hello. Um, world is that uh, it was actually not dissimilar in that you, uh, if I achieved these things, then I would be healed. If I did these things, then I would get prosperous. If I did. So I had this checklist in front of me. Right. Um, my problem is I wasn't very good at the list, so I was always I felt a lot of shame around it. Um, you know, so I wasn't like uh, the guy that was memorizing the scriptures. I was I wanted to, but I just didn't. And but, so, I, but there was always a reason why I wasn't prosperous, a reason why I wasn't healed. But the point being is, it actually was an interest. It's like a different side of the same mountain of, mm-hmm. of works. Yeah. And if, if I'm being honest as I've thought in the last uh, few decades of my life that when I sort of jettisoned the enterprise of spiritual gifts altogether, some of it was because I felt like it was uh, it carried like a, like a trigger for me almost like, cause I wasn't very good at it and I didn't get this and I didn't get whatever. So I, you know, which I think that's um, when I was asked people for questions today, there's a lot of uh, people that feel shame around that. Like I didn't get my prayer language yet. I didn't. So I didn't, am I doing something wrong? Am I inferior? spiritually because I didn't do it right and I didn't get it. And so fortunately I discovered grace and discovered that even these are grace. Like this, this, this manifestations of first Corinthians 12 is about grace, not about me uh, being good enough 
right, to, to get it. Um, I, I think I was in fifth grade the first time I heard somebody uh, pray in tongues out loud. Would that have been at your at your church, I assume, or yeah, at actually, home yeah, for or sure. family member? Yeah, yeah. So, so for sure, uh, at church because uh, okay. my buddy Troy Covey invited me to church, and I couldn't fifth grade. I couldn't think of anything I would have rather have done less, uh, but he was very persuasive, and uh, so I think it probably would have been Patsy Busey. Oh, so, wow. so we were definitely in a tongue talking while you're at church. Church, like, got it. Um, we didn't care that you couldn't control it. Um, actually, you know what, Mark, the more I think about it, that's not true. We thought you could control it because you could control the gifts because you were in charge of the gifts like a magic trick as opposed to spirit. spirit. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't think about it that way. But um, so you had, you had this powers that you could manifest. So I would have heard it then. And, and in fifth grade, um, it definitely was uh, unsettling. <laughs> like a little like, well, that's interesting. I wonder what that is, you know? And, and I don't know, like Mark, with you coming out of a Bible college setting where it was talked about, like when, like when was the first time you actually encountered? Maybe just the first time you met, whether it was in a service or like you, you personally or somewhere around somebody that you look at that person's praying in tongues, and I don't know what that is. Yeah, so I the first time I ever in, really encountered it was uh, through a crisis, and you know it's kind of interesting in that when you build your life based on a set of rules and lists, as long as life is fairly you know, sublime and pretty calm and things are going as you would think they should, then, you know, you can sort of live that life with a level of sort of contentness. Um, but, you know, when, when all of a sudden trouble comes in whatever form, and in my life it happened when uh, my father left a few times um, and my mother lost it, like lost it, lost it. So, and my brother and I, he's two years older than I am. And he's like maybe 12 and I'm now maybe he's 14. I'm about 12, something like that. And, uh, so he's gone. We don't know where he is and just took everything left. And my mom's there and she is, you know, beside herself. She was truly at that point temporarily insane and it lost it. Mm -hmm. And this police officer walked in, I'll never forget it. And he said, you know, I want to pray. And he grabbed hands in a circle and there was, you know, couple social worker type people there and um and he prayed when he prayed i don't know for 30 seconds or so he prayed in tongues and i was like you know and i kind of felt like oh that's what that is you know so you knew that's the first time i experienced it but then when i became a believer you know everybody i looked to as a position in a position of authority said well no no no, we don't do that right that's not necessary and almost it almost seemed like they had gotten beyond that in their perspective. Mm. But yeah, so, so through high school, you know, very much the performance oriented independent Baptist thing. And then I went to a Bible college that was independent Baptist oriented and had to work my way through school. Life is going swimmingly, I think. Um, but the more and more that you're on that track of performance, whether it's through the independent Baptist side that didn't believe in gifts, or you're on the other end, as you said, to the Pentecostal side where, well, you don't have enough faith to be healed, or you don't have enough faith to do X, Y, or Z, right? Or you're not successful because what it's your fault. Yeah. You, that you have to perform your way to God's favor. That's just as much an error as the other side. 100%. So, but it was really in that area of, after I got through college, finished school, have a theology and psychology degree. And I'm like, okay, what are you gonna do with this now? And I, I was gonna go to a big Baptist church in Indianapolis and be a youth pastor. That was that was the the track, right? I had to work my way through school, so I'm working 45 hours a week, going to full full time to full time to, to school. And Melissa and I, who've been married now for almost 36 years, and so we we got married three weeks after I finished school. And I got everything lined up, and all of a sudden, three weeks before I finished college, I get a call from this pastor in Indianapolis who says you can't come all legitimate you know it's like there was a reason for it and it made sense that okay God well you shut that door you'll open another one but the only problem is another door didn't open and so in that place of unrest because again you're perform I'm performance oriented I got to be a pastor and that's what I have to do um, but when that didn't happen that really created a lot of you know confusion in my spiritual walk. I'm like, God, what am I doing? What am I doing wrong? And in that place of turmoil, in that place of discontentment, um, 
was when really I began reaching out to the Lord and, and I, you know, God brought us people hmm. that helped us along the way. And, um, yeah. So yeah, so yeah that's kind of how we got there. Yeah. When, um, I, I remember a conversation you and I had once, um, uh, about a mutual friend who was kind of on this journey of like, uh, had had sort of a, held to a, a you know tongues will cease, Holy Spirit will cease, um, and I uh, and he was struggling, but he, he it's like he's open, but was struggling because when you've lived your whole life a certain way, right? And I ask you like when you got to that path like that, there was there was clearly a divergence, right? Uh, like, and you said something that I've I've quoted, and I've never forgotten is like I, I got to that cross path or crosswords, and it was like I just went the way that there was life, like mm-hmm. I followed mm-hmm. the life. Mm-hmm. And that made so much sense to me because it's, um, and by the way, if you're, uh, if you, if you want to read whatever, RT R. Kendall, uh, has some great uh, word in the spirit, Jack Deere, the power of the spirit. Like there's some great books out there to go deeper on it that, that, that helped me to, even to me to understand even more. Oh, that's what this is about. It's this, if we just sit around and, and it's just about tongues, we are talking about that because there are a lot of questions but it's about life, the Holy Spirit with it. Do you, am I expounding on that right? Do you remember, do you remember that yeah, conversation? No, I, do. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, very well. Um, and that's exactly the case. I came to a fork in the road where at one point I was like, okay, God, if my relationship with you is frankly not full, I'm missing something. It's not fulfilling. Yeah. Right. And for a lot of people at that point of that pivotal sort of, you know, uh, point where they have to go right or left, they may choose to not follow the Lord at all. Yeah. Because the idea of your authority in your earlier part of your Christian walk may have not been correct mm-hmm. is something they just can't mentally consent to. But I came to the Lord is like, okay, God, I have to have more of you. I know you're true. I know you're righteous. I know you're holy. And I know I don't have it figured out. But I have to follow something that has life in it. Yeah. It can't, because frankly, legalism is death. As the scripture says, the law brings death. Yeah. And yes. I think people find themselves, and to me, this is where the enemy, you know, many times he takes the form of something of light. He counterfeits what God has created, right? And so selfish ambition, in many ways, looks like achievement spiritually. Hmm. So, you know, if, if you have just a, you're about yourself and very narcissistic, right? It's about me. What can I accomplish? I can, I can lead this many people to Christ. I can preach a great sermon. I can sing a great song. I can, whatever it is your gifting are or your talents, you know, that you have the ability to do that well. And all of a sudden you get praise from people and you feed off that praise, right? Yep. And, but, but eventually that crashes. Uh-huh. And when you crash, you look for, and that's what I did. I said, Lord, I have to find life. Where's their life hmm. in your spirit? And it was through that, that, you know, Melissa and I got introduced to, um, the Holy spirit and, and the gifts of the spirit. Yeah. yeah. When you say that, it sort of, it's kind of prompted me on the journey that I've even been on, uh, in the past 10 years as a pastor, because, uh, I've been pretty open about moments where I've had, um, like panic attacks while preaching. Uh, and when I was in Haiti talking with Mike Howard, uh, we were talking about some completely different about other pa- whatever uh, pastors and things that are happening. And, but I've sort of began to process that, that a lot of what, so for instance, when I preach in Haiti, I have, it never occurs to me to be nervous there. Um, the expectation isn't, on me to deliver some fresh revelation or whatever. Uh, and, and I could justify all day long the pragmatism of this, that when, um, if I don't deliver the goods on a Sunday, then people will go someplace else. And then the people in Haiti don't get to be, have food because I didn't preach good like that. And I, and I understand that's baloney, whatever. But the other side of that too, is that when I do deliver the goods, the praise that comes from it. Um, and as, uh, the text messages that, Oh, that was great. That was, I'd never heard it that way before. That's like catnip for me. <laughs> and that is not sustainable for the long term, because eventually 
I'm like grandpa. I'm out of jokes. I've got that's you know what I mean. Like I, that's grandpa. That's like the hundredth time you've told that joke. Well, that's all I got. I got not. And the reminder that ten years in, that a sustainable path for even me and my own faith is is to stop trying to impress everybody and and start allowing the Holy Spirit to impact people. Um, you know, even on Sunday, I didn't. I mean, I was busy. I had nothing, and because uh, I'd been on planes and jet, whatever. Uh, but I do feel like that the Holy Spirit still moved in that in a way that I didn't have great stories. I might not have had a great intro story. Uh, I would have probably gotten a bad grade at a seminary over the sermon. Um, but I didn't feel the stress of it because I felt like that that's part of my journey back is like even allowing the Holy Spirit to be a part of that. And uh, and actually, I do have a question for you, Mark, because this is this is on a Sunday. I had a, a moment where first service only where I felt the Lord nudging me on stage to go and, mm. and I, I didn't know what I was going to say. And it was the, this like my worst nightmare. Um, and I feel like if I, I almost don't want to listen to the recording cause it would be embarrassing. I feel like I was like talking my way into where the Holy spirit was going. Cause I just started talking. Cause I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to say, but Lord, I'm just going to start talking. But then I did say something that was, that was it. That's the whole reason I came up here for that. But you in, in the past have had, uh, words of uh, words of knowledge on Sunday, and uh, you know our elders know. If you text me, nudge me, whatever. Like if if you're a part of the leadership of our church, you you know, and the Holy Spirit's moving. That's something we would welcome. What is it like when that happens to you? Do you get like a full blown like chorus in the background? Like if if someone has no <laughs> idea even what I mean by word of knowledge, and that that's never right. happened. Like what does it look feel like when that happens to you? Um. It can come in the form of just a picture very quick. Um, sometimes it's a scripture that God will bring back to my mind or my heart, and there's a special resonance on it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just being in tune with the Holy Spirit and asking Him and just being open to Him. Um, now, you know, for any kind of podcast, I would say, you know, you have to be make sure that, you know, anything you hear has obviously got to line up with scripture. 100%. And so this isn't like, you know, okay, I'm creating new scripture. And, you know, I've been around now the, you know, the spirit sort of oriented church long enough that, you know, uh, rhema words and all that. And I, and I get it. Yeah. And I do believe, to me, especially when you think about tongues, and I'll get to the point you're about the word of knowledge, um, in my life, Tongues are very much of a self-edifying gift. And I believe, you know, when Paul said, I think God is speaking tongues more than any of you, mm-hmm. right? And so you're in Haiti looking at the stars, right? And you're speaking to yourself in your prayer language. You're praying in the spirit. Yeah. That's a self-edifying event, 100%, right? Yep. And so that builds you up. And as the scriptures say, all through Psalms and David, building yourself up in the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. And so to me, that is a gift from the Lord. And I don't pretend to tell anybody, like, how do you go to, quote, get it? Or how does it happen or occur? I'm not here to basically create a menu. Because I, I think the challenge becomes when it, when it becomes so mechan- mechanical, you know, oh, it works like this, A, B, C, D, and then you get E, you know? Yeah. Um, that's where I think we, we miss it. It's a relationship. Hmm. But it is a place of vulnerability. Yes. Because... This isn't something you can you control and okay, I'll think about this and I'll go here. Um, but it is that same openness to allowing the Holy Spirit, just asking him, Lord, is there anything you have? Is there anything you want for your people? Mm-hmm. And it, especially when you, the, you get off of yourself, you have to be other centered. So recently when I think one of the last ones that I received was a picture and I saw a picture of in the Jewish wedding ceremony yes yes when they crush right the glass right and um and but that created unity and but that crushing actually creates unity and that was a picture i saw and i wasn't sure exactly but but i felt the lord said you don't need to share that because it's for someone it's it's, so and the word was that that crushing in your life that had taken place god was going to bring from it a place of celebration Okay, I, I didn't know. Well, later I find out from Tim Bassanio, a good friend of ours, that you know that one of his sons was had actually been in Pinkerton Park and saw this take place, and he was you know thinking about some things, and that specifically 
was like, I just had that happen. And so I, in Williamson no County, Tennessee, right. someone saw right. a crime. <laughs> like I've been here 26 years. I've never seen that anywhere. And I've been all over the place. So the, the Jewish ceremony yeah. happening in the, in a park in yeah. downtown yeah. Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you never know. And, but I do think that being open to what the Lord is doing, being willing to follow him. And I, and I don't look at it like it's a performance thing. It's like, what if I got it wrong? Well, mm. you know what, if I'm encouraging somebody and I'm, it's a word of encouragement. It's a word of, of knowledge that if it applies to somebody, awesome. And if it doesn't, you know, as long as you're not going and telling somebody, you know, okay, you need to go quit your job today or, you know, go, you know, do something that obviously doesn't line up with necessarily what you would think is scriptural. Right. Um, then, then yeah, you have, to, you have to be thoughtful about what you say. I was thinking in terms of um, one of the things that I, I wanted to make sure that we communicate today is, um, when, when we're speaking of tongues specifically, okay, um, because of our modern vernacular, especially around charismatic, whatever, uh, it almost has this mystical feeling speaking in tongues. And it's just a translation thing. The word glossalia, glossa, it just means a language. Um, so when it says tongues, uh, it, it does specifically mean a language. Is it a heavenly language? Is it a, uh, but I think it's, probably good to distinguish that when I look at the New Testament, there's actually three different, uh, I don't want to say types, but different expressions here. Uh, because, you know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 22, tongues then are a sign uh, not for believers, but for unbelievers, right? But then just a couple of verses into that later, he'll say, but if there's unbelievers there, don't speak in tongues. Um, so is he contradicting himself or is he actually talking? He's actually saying that there are, because in Acts chapter two, okay, there's that, 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 the tongue that is a sign for the unbeliever. Uh, it's, they stood up and they spoke in an unknown tongue that they didn't know, but the people there heard it. And thousands of people came to Jesus that day. And, and of course, many more didn't come to Jesus. And uh, I think Paul, even, I think later in chapter 14 references Isaiah 28 verses 10, 11, 12, about speaking in stammering tongues, uh, and that they won't, uh, but but they still won't believe. Saying so, that was a fulfillment of that on that day, and so there is that form of tongues when someone says that it should be understood. That is true if we're speaking of that kind of a, a tongue. And and I, I'm bringing these out because when I hear people either uncomfortable with it or questioning it, sometimes their their questions are actually just not an understanding, uh, a clarity of, of of this. So that that is a. Uh, a tongue with a that they understood the language, and, and we have stories that we could share about that. Uh, there is the the gift to believers that what that we're talking about here, which is First Corinthians twelve, um, that the tongues and interpretation. Because one of the questions we've gotten on the internet was, uh, if someone is speaking in tongues, then does there have to be an interpretation? And if it is in this manifestation of First Corinthians twelve then I would say that either there's going to be an interpretation of it or that it is someone that they would hurt in their own language, that version. But if this is for believers um, in a church setting, then yes. But I would say that is, even when you say the gift of tongues, maybe that would be a good way to clarify, that is the gift of tongues right there. That is the gift of uh, a, a manifestation of a language that is then interpreted um, of tongues there. But then there's this third, which would be praying in a, in a language, that's what Paul, you referred to that mark of, mm -hmm. he says that, um, that uh, you're praying in an unknown tongue, I think it's chapter 14, verse 3, that you're edifying yourself, like you're building yourself up. Um, there's lots of ways to build your faith, you know, with the word of God is a great one. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Yep. But, but this is a way that it happens. And so when he says... Um, Verse 14, um, chapter 14, for when I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. And there's just, there's something there that I have experienced. And it, I'm careful to, to say that it's just because of an experience, I'm, but because, but I'm reading the word and now I'm saying the way that I have experienced it is my mind is unfruitful when that's happening. And I think that's part of it because I'm speaking to God from the deepest part of my soul. It's almost like that Romans eight that you know praying with groanings and without ceasing like this. Uh, there was a little bit of that going on last week. I did not mention to my wife, by the way, that kidnappings were up by two hundred percent when I left for Haiti. I did not tell her that Dominican uh, guys were kidnapped while I was there, or there was a prison break while I was there with these gang leaders that were out in the streets. And 
Um, but I told God, <laughs> and I thought, I know we're supposed to be here. And so, yeah, I, you know, instead of, uh, instead put it this way, instead of me looking to my Instagram, I mean, the internet was terrible. Uh, so I couldn't if I wanted to, but it was good. I wasn't, I wasn't numbing myself with, uh, with information. I was edifying myself with, with prayer. And so if you hear us speaking of specifically of tongues in general, and you want to refute whatever, know that the, the, those are the three areas. And if you, if there's more, I don't know what they are, but those seem to be the three different. And what we're talking about most today is, is prayer like that, that private prayer language. And I would say this to you that you have asked for it, that you haven't received it and you feel inferior. What Mark says about the relationship, you're not less than if you haven't experienced it yet. Remain open to it. Uh, but you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let your, I wouldn't let the enemy steal your joy in that moment for it. Um, don't allow that to become a shame for it at all. So there's a big move in our world right now towards deconstruction. Okay, but we, we've seen a lot of that. Um, some, some of my personal friends. Um, what are they deconstructing? Their faith. They call it deconstruction. Uh, when I was in the '90s, whatever we called it, just a faith crisis. Difference today is that they get to do it out loud and on the internet and invite others to come with in them. In public. Yeah. And, and you, here, I'll tell you what's sad to me, though, is that they're doing it on the journey, not at the destination, right? Uh, a journey of this, you could, like me, it led me back someplace. Uh, if I would have talked my way through it out loud with everybody, God only knows how much damage I could have done. But I wonder if some of what we're experiencing when I listen to, and by the way, when you think about a lot of the more famous deconstructions that we've seen out there, they have come from a pretty conservative faith background, a specific, uh, like hardcore, no life in it. Um, I'm wondering, I don't know, Mark, like we we're raising kids and we're all, you know, doing our best to try to, you know, let the, the Holy spirit work in their lives. But do you wonder if some of these people like uh, Josh Harris, is that the guy from a, if if he if he was rejecting the Jesus of this of the Holy Spirit, which I don't feel like he is, he's rejecting the tongues will cease version of the Bible. Is that something that could help America's faith right now? I mean, it's certainly helping Africa's faith. Yeah, well, look, I I think you did a very good job in articulating because I do agree. There's these three types of tongues get mentioned a lot in the scripture and and many times people will confuse and they'll think well wait a minute it said everybody will interpret well if you're talking about you know so it can be for some people overly confusing um but the this the prayer language perspective of tongues is one like you said the the other one that when you speak and they hear you in their own language you know a friend of mine in africa he speaks 13 languages right he's learned two of them Right. The other yeah. 11 have been given to him. And that freaked some people out. Uh -huh. They're like, well, what does that look like? Well, I texted him this morning and I said, so how did it happen Yeah, to describe for me how it happened? And he said that he literally got up in this other village in Africa where he did not speak the dialect and it wasn't close. <laughs> so it was like, oh, yeah, they kind of got it because, you know, it was similar to my my particular language. Yeah. Um and he said, when I spoke, I, he said, for example, he was speaking, he learned Portuguese was his native tongue. He's from Mozambique. And um, he was speaking what he thought was in Portuguese and people heard him in English. And they're nodding their wow. head going like, we're, we, yeah, we, we get it. And he was thinking to himself, so they all know Portuguese. And then later they said, no, 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 you're speaking in English. And by the way, you have your verb tenses correct and everything. <laughs> and you know without like a big accent we, we understood exactly what you were saying and he was like really and so that's for example that's how we learned english and so for some people that short circuits them immediately but i would say this if we believe god supernaturally re you know changes your heart you're born again yeah. your spirit changes if that is a supernatural impact right mm, yes that same supernatural impact you know, whether it's healing or tongues or word of knowledge or word of wisdom or whatever it is. I think honestly, Darren, where people find themselves deconstructing their faith is when they come to an impossible juncture in their life. And it's instead of mentally opening their heart 
to say, well, maybe what I believed in the past wasn't right. What if God is bigger than the box I put him in? What if he didn't yes. just, you know, and I say this reverentially, I love the scripture. I read it every day. It's what I pour my heart and my life into. Absolutely. But people that believe that God wrote a book and retired, you know, so to speak, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, is like, yeah. well, wait a minute. No, no, no. He's, he's alive. The Holy Spirit is a person, by the way. So the other thing I think about a lot is, so Jesus increased in, in favor with God and man. Hmm. Why was Jesus baptized in the Holy Spirit? He didn't have any sin. Right. And yet John baptized him and the Holy Spirit came upon him. Yeah. He wasn't already there. What? Right? Right. And so it, it, it does make people wonder, but it, Jesus truly was, he's the son of God in every way. He's divine, yes, but he took on himself the form of a servant, the form of man. And so he lived his life out under the power of the Holy Spirit. And every miracle that took place and everything that happened in his life, I believe he was providing for us a, a roadmap, a tutor to say, this is what can happen if you follow the Spirit. Now, to that point, Mark, you know, you and I grew up in very similar backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And so the conversation was always about the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, and the things he did, but would stop just short of the power of the Holy Spirit. I right. Mean, you know, I don't remember having any deep conversation, teaching, guidance about anything really Holy Spirit related until after I left that church. Right. Um, in my later high school years. So for you, um, what was different about Mark before hmm. the Holy Spirit, learning about the Holy Spirit, and in the Mark after experiencing, understanding what it means to live your life with the Holy Spirit? It's hmm. a great question. Um, hmm. I, I, like you, you know, it was Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They were always listed in the Trinity. <laughs> right. But only one of them, only two of them got talked about. Oh, yeah. Only two. Right. Yes. Um, because the Holy Spirit, it was scary. Yeah. For a lot of people. And and again, what does that mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, you have all you need at the point of salvation. Okay? And look, I, I do think there's there are interesting theologians on both sides of that argument. Is the filling of the Holy Spirit a separate event from conversion, from mm. salvation, or not? Yeah. You know, and Acts 19 talks about when Paul saw the they came to the Ephesian church and he asked them. And they said, we, you know, we are believe, yeah, we're disciples, we're believers, but we've never even heard of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, right. Right. So, is it a separate experience, or is it a separate gifting, or is it the same upon salvation? Other people would believe that no, you have the Holy Spirit, you just haven't grown in maturity of knowing how it exercises in your life. Yeah. And I won't. I don't think that's a hill to die on, on whether you want to believe A or B. What I would say is the following. Life in the Holy Spirit is experiential. I cannot logic my way or infer my way. Oh, well, I believe this, this, and this, and therefore I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. It is an experience in my life. That's been, and so to your point, Mo, for me, it was the same. I lived my life in my earlier days as a Christian completely with the focus on performance, right? Mm -hmm. And so how many Bible, how many chapters of the Bible I read today? Yep. You know, um, did I, you know, did I can control my thoughts? Did I, you know, uh, did I treat everybody well? Um, you know, I mean, you know, I got more, did I speed, yes. right? When I started driving, yeah. right? Are you driving 55? Rule did followers. You, oh, you drove 57. Ooh, wow. You know, <laughs> I mean, but it was so performance oriented. It was death. Yeah. And that's where most people just, they eventually shipwreck. Yeah. Because they're like, dude, this is just death and it isn't life producing. So I'm going to go do something crazy and live my life where it has some life to it. Uh, now, their life is carnal. It's yeah. not really life. It's Satan's, you know, frankly, imagery, his, again, counterfeit aspect of what really is life. But so, yeah, for me, it really came when my, my life kind of crashed. Mm. And I was like, okay, God, there's got to be more than this. And if there is, I want it. And I'm willing to be open to say I was wrong. Yeah. And to say it, isn't, it doesn't have to be, I've got to figure it all out. Hmm. You know, people that I've, you know, 
always used to make me kind of wonder we always had a Wednesday night this huge prayer list of healing you know well let's pray for the sick you know the shut-ins da, 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 da. and you'd read all this big list and then nobody ever asked did anybody get healed yeah we didn't bring that up nope right well we didn't even really ask for healing we yeah. just asked for God to comfort them and 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 I'm not, again, I'm not trying to be overly cynical about that. People are in many cases living their life out with what they've been taught. Mm-hmm. But, you know, faith comes by hearing, right? And the faith that comes by hearing isn't just the faith for salvation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I really just finally opened myself up and said, God, I want to know what you have for me. And I started reading books. I started talking to people that were in different streams. Uh, Melissa and I ended up going to the vineyard in Southern California. and, um, and it, But it was hard, by the way. Right. I mean, we ended up, my parents came out to go to our church. They came to church, right? And, and a guy did a huge guitar solo right in the middle of worship. You know, I was like, man. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> what is it. this? You know, we came home, and immediately the yellow pages were out. It was like, let's go find a good Baptist church for you to go to. Uh, the you yellow know? pages. And because your kid, you're going off the deep end. And, uh, you know, but but there was life. Yeah. And when they prayed for my marriage, right? And they prayed for my kids. To your point, Darren. Look, man. Anybody that's a parent, you know very quickly, like you're not controlling this. Yeah. You know, you do the best you can. You teach. You train. You discipline. All those things, but they have mind of their own. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So to your point, I'm uh, I'm intrigued by something that, that I the, the be filled with the spirit. Mm. The question, the debate, the, um, the the language there of you know, do we have all the spirit? We need it, salvation, and uh, and I've heard somebody say, by the way, you know, like the difference, like the baptism, like the Holy Spirit coming upon you, is for other people. The Holy Spirit coming in you is for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but when Paul says in Ephesians five eighteen, don't be drunk on wine. That just jumped out at me because what you were talking about was true. The way like. Uh, those that try to go find life, for the most part, if you've had a dead faith, you're going to try to find it in debauchery. Yeah, I mean, right. the pendulum usually swings yeah. completely Pretty the, hard, other yeah. the other way. Yeah. So I've never really read it that way before until just now, and it jumped at me that if my proclivity normally in Haiti or any place would have been, okay, I'm really, really stressed right now, and my first thing to do uh, would have been to grab for my phone, it's a, not a dissimilar thing because being drunk with wine is just a numbing right. of something that God wants to heal. And he says, so don't be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Mm. And uh, theologian friends know that that, the Greek uh, conjugation there means be being filled. It's this ongoing thing. And uh, it's almost as if it's um, saying, suggesting, whatever. Whatever it is, I I do believe the Holy Spirit's in you at salvation. that, that, That is the baptism of water you know that uh, Christ baptizes us into but uh but this be being filled it's it's almost like I think what I had maybe was, had wondered was is there a moment where you're baptized in the spirit and then I'm done with that and then from here on out the the gifts are there or is this it sounds more like this is saying this is an ongoing process it's all every day yeah so like I was being baptized in the spirit in Haiti a couple of weeks ago like that and he goes right on to say, you know, which he talks about in First Corinthians fourteen as well, about singing songs, speaking uh, in the spirit, praying in the spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the spirit. Sing and make music from your heart. Always give thanks to the Lord. Like that's this relationship-driven thing of this. Um, and for me right now, like when I specifically know that we have people in our church family, probably people listening to this podcast right now, are living with a, a tremendous amount of fear. Uh, of uncertainty. Um, uh, I, I've just had a conversation yesterday with someone from a complete different state where there's a, uh, a marriage that's falling apart. Um, don't reach for the wine. <laughs> like, don't reach for your numbing. Reach for the spirit. And, like, for you, Mark, like, what is that like on a daily basis? Because that was something I, I was... Uh, really wanted your voice on because I know the fruit is there that you're somebody who is spending time with Jesus. You're mm-hmm. spending time in the spirits, so to speak. Um, how does that play out with you on a daily basis? Because you, I, I, 
people listen right now. I'm busy. I'm reading. I'm like, and nobody busier in this room than Mark Bourgeois right now. Okay. <laughs> I think, you own know, like a hundred companies and th- th- but you have prioritized that somehow in your life. Tell us how that is and what maybe if we could take a couple of uh, tips from you. Well, I, I don't know, you know, how much this would be helpful for others, but I, it is a very personal thing. I, I believe that, you know, every day I want to spend time in the word. Um, but before I do that, um, I, I typically will spend time in worship. Um, you know, he inhabits the praises of his people. And I take that very mm-hmm. literally, um, that in the morning, one of the first things I do is, is I will go out and usually I'll be in my car driving somewhere and I will sing to God without the, without the radio. And just, yeah. And it's not about style or whatever. It's just telling him I love him and praising him. And what I find in my life is when I turn my affection toward him, right? Mm. And I begin to praise him and tell him I love him. And I just, you know, go through the attributes of God or, you know, there's not, it's not mechanical. Every day is it the same thing or the same words or the same melody or something. I mean, sometimes he will remind me of a song and I'll just sing that song, whatever. But just turning my affections to him, then I know that I'm engaged in his presence. Mm. So that to me is critical because I can go and if I, again, mechanically get myself into, well, I want to read so many chapters of scripture. That's great. And the word is sharper than the two-edged sword and mm-hmm. it is the word of God. It is powerful. Absolutely. All yeah. those things. So it's not either or, it's both yeah. in my life. So it's spending time worshiping him, spending time in the word, and then really just, um, you know, I, I pray for my kids, pray for my family. I pray for different business things I'm involved in. Um, I pray for other individuals that, you know, God will bring to my heart and mind. Um, so there are some yeah. definite things that I have sort of, uh, typically I will pray yeah. for on a daily basis, but yeah. One thing you said a little bit ago really struck with me um, when you said to be attuned to the Holy Spirit. And this analogy popped in my head, and Darren, you'll really appreciate this. I haven't been an uh, artist manager all these years. But it's as if we're walking around carrying this guitar all the time, and we're banging it up against the wall, and we're busy and hitting all the bumpy roads and throwing it, you know, forget to put it in our case. And then we, we break that guitar out to try to strum it and play something, and it is out of tune hmm. through our busyness, through our ideas, through our own works, and through our, our own mind. We don't take the time to tune our heartstrings mm. towards the Lord. That's good, no? And and sometimes mm. and sometimes we try to tune it by ear, you know, like on our own. <laughs> it's not quite there. Yeah, like uh, that B string always gives you fits, right? Uh-huh. And <laughs> you you've got to tune your heart with the word, like the tuner with the word, with worship, being in His presence. And that's just a really that was a really good reminder when you just said that little phrase. It mm. just like popped yeah. in my mind that I mean to be attuned to the Holy Spirit really is the secret yeah. like that's the key yeah and the dailiness of it every day it just builds on itself and I you know again there's not it's not a programmatic thing mm-hmm. it's not you do a B and C and such, such and such will happen but rather being open to the Holy Spirit um, and that's where you know praying in, in a prayer language um, as the Bible says you know that uh, who knows the the heart of a man is the man is the spirit of a man and the Holy Spirit I believe when I'm praying in the spirit is also interceding for me with words that I can't even express yeah. to God but he knows and therefore you know in many ways he tunes my prayers to your guitar analogy right <laughs> to what it really should right. be yeah and that so so that god and jesus is my intercessor mm-hmm. you know the holy spirit is therefore you know interceding for me by me entering into that prayer language but yeah that's very personal that's not the part where i'm speaking out at you know and somebody's hearing it in their own language nor is it the part in church where somebody speaks in tongues and somebody then you know interprets mm-hmm. but rather i i think that is really critical but it is I guess for me, it's about in general the gifts of the Spirit being alive in my life. Yeah, and I and it, it, that's probably a bigger topic of what am I here to do, right? Mm. Because if for some people, especially when in my former cessationist life, um, 
I was just to hang on until the rapture, right? Or until I died, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm hanging because it's going to get worse and worse and worse until, you know, whatever. And there's some truth to some of that. Yes. You know, read the Revelation. We've obviously just gone through and talked about a lot. But there's another perspective, too. Jesus said our prayer, the model prayer, is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. So if my life is to emulate what Jesus did, that I am to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth in these life situations I find my, you know, that God brings in front of us. And bringing in life, bringing in, I, I would love nothing more than in all of our lives. Cause I mean, we're encountering all kinds of uh, crazy experiences in the world right now that we're so full of the spirit that our our response is the spirit response. doesn't mean that we fold like a napkin, but it means that, that it's not coming out of anger or fear or rage, but out of love, you know, out of 1 Corinthians uh, 13. Um, You know, we have a couple of questions that actually were specifically asked for today um, that I'd like to at least throw out there. Mo, you've got the first one. Look, I've like a radio show. We should give away tickets to some concert next. All right, Mark. So would would you think that it's really necessary to speak in tongues to show evidence of being filled by the Spirit? I mean, there's, mm. there's some that believe uh, that you're not filled by the Spirit if you don't speak in tongues. Yeah, I, there are scriptures definitely that said, you know, as they were filled with the Spirit, they spoke in tongues. Mm. Um, on the other hand, there's also not a scripture that I see that says, unless you speak in tongues, you're not filled with the Spirit. Yeah. Right? So you're sort of making inferring, you know, outcomes based on, you know, a, a specific situation. And I think that's difficult to do. The challenge is the world wants everything black and white, right? Mm-hmm. And when you're a relationship with the Holy Spirit, it's alive. It's like a relationship with your wife or your kids, right? Mm-hmm. It is not, you know, yes, you have the opportunity to build into that relationship and spend time in that relationship. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, you know, personally for me, you know, I, uh, I, I, I received a prayer language pretty early upon my being open to the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. Um, but I, I can't say that with some sure. definitive perspective. Yeah. Say it's absolute. Yeah, because I would agree with you. Because when they say that, generally speaking, the language would be the evidence. Filled with the Spirit with the quote-unquote evidence of speaking in tongues, right. meaning that you're an evidence that you're filled with the Spirit if I speak in tongues. The only quote-unquote evidence that you see from the New Testament, as far as I can tell, is uh, what uh, the, the evidence we could use another word, we would call it fruit. Um, and the fruit Absolutely. of the Spirit is love, right? Joy, peace. And so, is tongues one of the fruits of the Spirit? Uh, it is not. I and I know so. a lot of people that could really be uh, praying in like, in tongues very angrily without any fruit of the Spirit and what they were doing. Like, wait <laughs> Correct. a minute. Um, so it's not of that. You know, it's a... Uh, uh, something that is a, a manifestation, First Corinthians twelve. There's something from believers, right? Acts two, and First Corinthians fourteen, a, a prayer language that I think there's an openness to it. Um, and again, we have to put it in a position where it's not something that I'm working to get. Deuteronomy eleven, I've shared that on Sunday, some Sunday ago, uh, that when when they were going into the promised land, you know, God told Joshua, uh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter eleven, verses ten, eleven, twelve. You're going into the promised land and you're not going to be like it was in Egypt where you're going to pump water with your feet. Uh, pump, 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 pump to get the water. It's, but you're going into the promised land, which is a picture of the spirit-filled life where the water is going to come to you from heaven, uh, which is the same language that Joel uses, uh, pour out my spirit. and uh, Peter talks about it being poured out from heaven, like a rain thing with it. So it's not a... Uh, I don't think it's a, a requirement of it. It's just a, a, a gift, a manifestation, a, a thing. And I would encourage you that if you, uh, it's been a part of your journey and you you still feel whatever. Because I, I was reading this from Deidre Phillips. Okay, she was one of the questions that threw up on social media. Hi, Deidre. She said it was suggested to me that when I was a new believer, that I, if I uh, that I wasn't filled with the Spirit if I didn't speak in tongues. Also, I wasn't an intercessor if I didn't have a prayer language. I prayed and prayed and nothing happened. Uh, it really led me to seeking the gift rather than the giver, so I gave up. 
uh, when I was least expecting the gift. Oh, I didn't read the rest of this. Lots of wounds surrounding the gift of tongues. I, the, the gift came, lots of wounds surrounding the gift of tongues. She's saying that, but basically saying that she just finally gave up on trying to get the gift. I thought it was a question. She's actually preaching to us. I like that. Uh, <laughs> because that's the point. Like if we're just seeking the, the, this, this, whatever, I don't want to say evidence because then it feels like we're not saying that you are not filled with the spirit. But if I'm just seeking that and not Jesus himself, then it's not a relationship anymore. Right with it um i, I love the, oh, this is actually jennifer teeman uh, some, some girl named jennifer teeman sends oh, from my cleveland is... ohio she says what does the original greek language portray tongues quote unquote as and the meaning and i guess we kind of answered that which is language oh uh, just means language it literally means that you can see it in the book of uh matthew acts first corinthians the same word glossal glossalia yeah tongues can be um synonymous with the word language right so I would say my uh, encouragement would be do what Deidre did. <laughs> I was getting ready to answer Deidre's question, and she was answering it for us. If that's you, so Elena Bowling, uh, great lady. I think uh, she's in. Uh, I think they're in Illinois right now. Uh, her husband Mark just went to be with Jesus just two months ago, um, and he was a pastor, uh, kind of like you, Mark. He's a former business guy and became a pastor. Of course, you're not a pastor <laughs> yet, um, but. Uh, she was talking about that, but I've been prayed over and anointed, but I, I just, it hasn't happened for me yet. So I've kind of given up, but even reading this that I'm, I get tight in my chest. I want to, I want to receive this. Don't give up. Seek the giver, not the gift. Seek the giver. Not yeah. The gift. It, it, well, but it, I mean, if you go back to, I think no matter what stream people might find themselves in the concept of you growing in your salvation mm. is frankly not challenged by I think any Protestant believer. Yeah, right. That's pretty much gross. And border. so, you know, Second Corinthians three uh, talks about growing, going from glory to glory, hmm. right? Um, I mean, I read this morning. Um, this is in the Passion translation. But this is Psalm fifty, verse twenty three. Says, "This is the Lord speaking." Says, "The life that pleases me is a life lived in the gratitude of grace, always choosing to walk with me in what is right. This is the sacrifice I desire from you. If you do this." more of my salvation will unfold for you. And I feel like what hmm. one of the things recently the last couple of years in my life that God has shown me is, you know, it really is inexhaustible. Hmm. You know, and it's like, you know, colors of the rainbow or whatever. It's like you, there are, there is always another dimension. There's so much more of God. Yeah. And so, yes, it's not about checking a box. It's not about feeling like you're, you know, an Olympian and you got so many medals around your neck. Well, okay, I saw somebody healed. Now I've spoken in tongues. You know, this isn't about a checklist of giftings. It's much more about your walk with him and him growing you more and more. Um, you know, it's also not mechanical. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the challenges that, um, I've been presented with in my life is people that, you know, frankly don't believe in the gifts and some kids don't believe in God. And they say, well, wait a minute, if you believe in healing, why don't you go to the hospital? Like, you know, just go pray for everybody in the ICU and it empties out like in five minutes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, if you notice Jesus, when Jesus walked throughout Galilee and all the different places he went, he didn't just go to the people that were sick. People that were presented to him when he was encountering them. Yes. Anybody he prayed for got healed. Right. And so, by the way, I don't believe God's, God never said in the scripture, oh, you just don't have enough faith, you know, come back tomorrow, right? It was always, he was leading them. And they, frankly, he was, he was good. He was gracious. He loved them. Mm. And so to me, you know, as God brings people in your life and in your encounters, I've, I've prayed for, you know, a great friend of mine whose daughter died of leukemia. On a Sunday morning, I'll never forget about it. Forget it. And he's on the couch, and with her lifeless body, he's holding her, and we prayed for her to be raised from the dead. And um, it didn't happen. Does that mean that I should stop praying? No. Um, I'm growing. You know, I, I I don't have Jesus status yet, to say the mm -hmm. least. Um, I, I you know we're all human. We're you know flawed creatures. We live in a fallen world. Mm -hmm. But I do believe that what Jesus called us to do is much, it's, I'm not asking God just for forgiveness. I'm asking him actually for faith in the kingdom. Hmm. 
And, and what that really means is I have the opportunity, not, you know, oh, it's a checklist, it's a performance thing, but rather the opportunity to invite God and the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God, to envelop my life such that I can pray for impossible things and God can make them happen. Mm. I see through the eyes that when Jesus looked at the man at the withered hand, he didn't see a withered hand, right? He mm. saw a hand made whole. So I am to look through that heavenly kingdom realm and bring heaven to earth in my environment. Hmm. I think that's part that's of our, good, yeah. our walk. I can't stop but think about Ephesians 2, 8, 9. I mean, I feel like this has been a part of this, this little talk today. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no man may boast. And... Mm-hmm all these things are for his glory and not, not our glory. So that it brings people back to him ultimately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The idea of a God that is personal, um, like that is personally involved in our lives, personally interested in our lives is something that we take, uh, I t- taken a lot of my life have taken for granted. Um, to the point where even like it loses its meaning a little bit, you know, relationship with Jesus like that. No one would probably disagree in most evangelical circles that that's what it, but what does that mean then? Like a relationship means that it's a two way thing. He wants to speak to us. Mm-hmm. He wants to be involved. And you know, for me, it's God's mercy. I think in my life that I find myself in, like really disparate situations and desperate, desperate situations around the world. So last weekend again, Haiti, I know I keep bringing it up, but telling a 16 year old in Haiti that God sees you, Mm. that he has a plan for you, that he wants to be personally involved in your life is like uh, overwhelming for them in a good way. You know, these slaves that have been rescued in Southeast Asia to, to know that they, they've been seen and heard by God, that he wants to be involved in their lives. And that's what Jesus said the Holy Spirit's role with us is about the relationship with our Father. Like the, we can ask whatever we will, ask in his name and he will give us and he will give the Holy Spirit to all who would ask, right, from Luke. And that is the gift that I think we would do well in a Western context to remember that God having a personal interest in our lives is kind of a big deal and that him moving through and even inviting us into that journey he could have he could have done this any way he wanted to but he chose to like let us do that when he said that greater things you know will you do like he's inviting us into that like that's a big deal the uh, for sure one thing he said was that these signs will follow those who believe i i know that uh, that seems to indicate that uh, you want to really see some stuff, go, go, go into the ends of the earth and and these are going to follow you. We get it sometimes backwards. We'll fill up an arena in downtown and we'll follow the signs. That's not what he said at all. That's a complete backwards of it. This is these signs will follow those who believe. Um, Mark and uh, Victoria Bowling, they're getting ready to head back to Southeast Asia in a month. Uh, we're blessed as a church to send another $10,000, which, well, at $100 a bus, how many buses is that? Well, Somebody be, do the math. Is that a thousand buses? So a thousand buses. Mark's doing math. Yes, of course, Darren. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> thousand buses. We get to be involved with that. But I'm telling you, he's going to stand on a stage. Um, we're going to have to strike that. He's standing on a stage in another country and declare that Jesus is Lord. All is not. Mm-hmm. And people are going to get out of wheelchairs. People are going to. They're going to see blind eyes. They're going to open and deaf ears. And he's. Jesus. These signs will confirm. I will confirm my word with these. Sign. So anyway, we are at time. Um, Mark, we always ask like at this moment, like just like a last word uh, of wisdom or encouragement for somebody. Is there anything on your heart that you want? I didn't get to say it. So this is your last chance. You get to say it right now kind of thing. <laughs> um, well, look, I, I think it, it comes back to the issue of just being open to the Lord and where he has you in your walk. Don't be frustrated if, you know, that the tongues chapter of your life hasn't happened yet or whatever, um, but rather just pour into him. The one thing in my life I have felt and I've seen is that people that have, in many ways, much greater responsibilities than I will ever have. Mm. Um, 
and I remember Heidi Baker shared this, and they have thousands of orphans, and they're in Mozambique where you can't dial 911 and somebody shows up, Mm -hmm. right? But, you know, I heard her say recently that the more issues that are in front of her, the more she absolutely must spend her morning with God by herself. Because Mm. if she spends three, four, five hours, whatever it is, with God, Mm. then everything else she speaks into or does has the amplification of his wisdom and his power in it. Versus, oh, well, man, I got so much going on. I could spend 10 minutes or five minutes, you know. So I do, I would encourage people that if this is an area you're frustrated by or you're, you know, as, as Darren said, you know, read some books, invest in your spiritual walk. Um, but, but also, you know, ask God for the impossible. That's probably the, one of the greatest things I've felt in my life is that hmm. when you see answers to your prayers and you see God do things that, you know, can't be manufactured, it's not a parlor trick. It's not, you know, something for you just to go show off. It, it is only his mercy and his grace. And by that, you're going to go from glory to glory. Hmm. And and, uh, and Jesus is going to show you the next thing to do in your life. Yeah. Mo, do you have any final words? I guess you could wrap us up too. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> this has been a pretty awesome series that you are a triple threat. We are... We're, this is week seven or eight, and um, just to be able to dive into the gifts and understand them a bit more and encourage people to f- to find those gifts that are seated deep down in their hearts and, and the freedom that can come from that and the freedom that the Holy Spirit has to work in people's lives. And I've just had a number of people through this series find some freedom. Hmm. Um they knew they were maybe good at this or good at that, but now kind of with the, the Holy Spirit working through them and discovering their gifts, they're developing it. And like we talk about, you know, discover, develop, and then deploy it for the kingdom. Like what is, like you said earlier, what is the Lord telling you to do and go do that thing? Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, so mm. thank you, Mark, for yeah. spending some time with us today. And as you know, you can find everything you would want to know about Conduit Church at conduitchurch.com. Of course, on social media, you can easily find us um, just by searching the word Conduit or Conduit Church. Um, and we're just so thankful that you join us each and every time that we put out a podcast. We are encouraged. And hopefully we maybe answered your question today. I know Darren kind of put that out there as a prompt, and we had some good response to that. Yeah. And so... Uh, We'll be back on track next week. This is a bonus episode, but we'll be on on track next week, midweek, uh, with the next Deeper Podcast. Thank you.